Hey there, Second City Hockey listeners, it's Dave Melton here, and before we get to the show, I wanted to let you in on a little secret. All of those ads you just heard, if you want to listen to the show without them, visit secondcityhockey.com and sign up for either one of our subscription tiers, where the perks include ad-free versions of the Musings on Madison podcast. And with the first overall selection in the 2023 NHL Draft, the Chicago Blackhawks are very proud to select from the Regina Pats, the Western Hockey League, Connor Bedard. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager for Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt57. The main account is at 2ND City Hockey. And we're a little shorthanded this evening, but we've still got some Blackhawk stuff to talk about. Yeah, well, kind of. But anyway, before we get into all that, if you want to just want to let everyone know if you want to support our continued existence here on the internet, one thing you can do, leave us a five-star rating wherever it is. You get your podcast, say something nice about us in the reviews. You leave four stars or less, we'll assume you're a blues fan. SecondCityHockey.com is the place to go for everything we do around these parts. There'll be Blackhawks news updates, previews, recaps of every game, and discussion threads for every game, so you can talk some puck with your fellow Hawks fans. That website's also where you can continue to support us by signing up for the exclusive content we do, like Prosca prospect reports and random analysis and all this other stuff that we do or whatever is falling out of our head and on a random day of the week uh five dollars a month gets you into the Corey crawford tier ten bucks a month into the Connor bedard tier and there's unique perks for each category and there's still merch it's still there you can support us by picking up some of that as well before we well i shouldn't say before but uh now's the part where i'm going to bring in the rest of the crew this evening we're we're down one uh betsy's a little under the weather we hope she's feeling better but with us this evening he is on twitter at mill 182 and he is the second city hockey what tony scalzo is the fastball it's mill savage and i'm doing the monster mash on this beautiful valentine's day yes yes we we've all gathered on wednesday evening uh also does valentine's day i don't know what that says about the three of us but here we are well there's your simpsons reference uh, right off the bat yeah, well. for all our simpsons freaks well, I'm sure at some point in uh, in the next little hour or so, there will be a remember some guys moment, and then that'll be uh, that'll be the Mill Savage bingo card for uh, this edition of Musings on Madison. Yeah, it's almost it's it's like what do we need for my the Mill hat trick? A Simpsons reference, uh, guy remembering, and uh, Jersey talk, know. Jersey yeah, talk. There, there, there we go. go. Yeah, which cool. we could we could bitch about fanatics and how they're ruining baseball merch, and they're on their way to hockey soon. I'm sure. I have some information and thoughts, but we can get to that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want to be that upset this evening uh, <laughs> with the with the team we're watching right now. Mm. Also with us this evening, he is on Twitter at Eric G E G, and he is the Second City Hockey Pizza correspondent. It's Eric Gagenheimer. Mill talking about the Simpsons right then remind me of um, I went to the Lawrence Arms War on Christmas, both the shows uh, right before Christmas this year. And there's a comedian named Shane Torres, and he yes. did Cana- yeah, he did Canadian's Giving too. He but was he kind of Giving, yeah. It was so funny because he came out and it was a completely. We had just seen him at Canadian's Giving, and then he came out and it was a much different vibe opening for the Lawrence Arms, 
Um, <laughs> and so there, let's just say there was a little give and take with the audience. And at one point he said, listen, I'm not about to stand up here and be insulted by a room full of people with Simpsons tattoos. And that was just like, that was, that was a devastating burn. He got <laughs> just about everybody with that one. So that's what popped in my head when Mill was talking about it. That's how I knew when uh, I was watching one of Kyle Kinane's specials, uh, the one he filmed in Chicago, that the the pre, uh, like the teaser right before they roll the opening credits and all that, is at it's at the G-Man and it's uh, CM Punk and Brendan Kelly and someone else all talking about uh, the fact that there was going to be a comedian at the Metro and they were making fun of him. But like I just saw all the people involved and I'm like – this is definitely the the comedian I should be watching if these are the people who are in his opening bit for his uh, comedy special. Yeah, if those are like his buddies, that's yeah, yeah, that's like alternative Chicago royalty right there, pretty exactly. much. Exactly, exactly. Also, and Kanane's giving. They've just announced the next one. Thanksgiving is not for another nine months, but Kanane's giving is already on the books, which I'm very happy about because it's a great show. But. It was just like, oh shit! I've already got to get tickets for that. They announced it now. Yeah, I got the email today. <laughs> I just got an email for a show that's not happening till November. Dude, that's that's bananas. But yeah. I mean, you know, it's that was our first time going, but we have friends who've gone pretty much every year that he's done it, and that's like their tradition. And it was a ton of fun. So it's, now it's, we'll, we'll have to get tickets too. Absolutely worth it every year. Um, always a good show. Um, speaking of things that aren't always a good show, the 2023-2024 Chicago Blackhawks. Master of the Segway, folks. That's why they pay me the minimum dollars. I believe uh, they hit an attendance low the other night. They did. Uh, I guess the game, it was... Uh, oh, just wait. <laughs> we got well, a couple more. I don't know, because I, I feel like if they were going to hit a low, this is the spot. Uh, before, yeah, no Bedard. Yes, before the prodigal son returns. Uh, and Plus, then, it's like the winter and... Yeah, this this is the time of year that like it was always nice to have the Hawks when they were good. But even when when they were good, this is the time of the year where it always got a little boring. It's like, can we just get to the playoffs already? Because they're just going to keep winning. Um, now it's like, can we, now get to the playoffs? can we get to the draft? <laughs> yeah, can we get to the playoffs so they'll stop losing? Exactly. Um, but uh, Eric was in the building for the game on Tuesday night, and uh, I. You also one of the recaps was was under your jurisdiction as well. Um, I've I've been hit or miss with how much I've watched because of some uh, conflicts outside of uh, Second City hockey stuff. So I haven't watched as intently lately. Um, I the the Rangers game was fun even though they lost in overtime. Uh, the Wild game was kind of a snooze fest if I remember correctly. But Eric, I'm I'm just gonna throw this over to you and just just let you start with whatever thought comes to mind, and then we're just going to run with it from there. Well, unfortunately, I've had to watch the last three games intently as <laughs> I had I had the Minnesota recap. I was in the box um, for the Rangers game, and then I had the Vancouver recap last night. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff. It's Groundhog Day, man. I got you, babe, over and over. Uh, <laughs> they, just, they just can't compete, and they're just getting whacked like almost – to a comedic level um, as far as, you know, just the ice being tilted against them. 
the one thing, the Rangers game ended up being kind of fun. You know, they scored those goals late to come back. And I think the big impression I got from being there that night, it was interesting to be in the locker room afterwards, um, is Kurashev and Vlasic. And those were the only two players made available for anybody from the media to speak to after the game. Um, They were both kind of like, they were pissed. They were pissed Mm -hmm. that they lost. And I think some of it is, you know, there's a losing streak going on right now too. And they're all aware of that. They're, they're all aware of what's going on. Seth Jones, you know, made that clear last night when he talked about getting a a shot on goal, just throwing one there at the end of the period. It got the most sarcastic cheer I've heard in a Hawks game in a while. And I'm actually quite, I'm very happy that the Hawks fans did that because that just, if your team only has has no shots on goal 19 minutes into the game, you have every right to to Bronx cheer when they actually get that shot on goal. And I'm glad oh, it happened. Absolutely. But they're, so they're aware of all these things. They know what's going on. They know how bad they've been, you know, and that this stretch has been going on for a while. So the fact that they were both pissed off and Vlasic kind of especially so, like they wanted to win. They were right there, you know, with a really good team. And so just the fact that even though maybe complacency is kind of set in for us as far as like covering them and trying to figure out like things to dissect or things to talk about that we haven't talked about before, there's no complacency, you know, in them in their game, even though it it does feel like Groundhog Day and they're losing games kind of the same way every time because really they just don't have the talent level on our roster to compete especially when you're playing the Rangers in Vancouver, you know, Minnesota, probably not so much. Um, So that was interesting. And it's kind of encouraging, I guess, in a little bit of a weird way that they, it still matters to them and they still care. And they're both younger players and they're still establishing themselves and their identities and, you know, what type of players they want to be going forward. But that was good. You know, I'm, I'm glad to see that. So that, of the last three games, that's kind of the most interesting thing that I've seen, or that's what stood out to me the most. Yeah. And I think that's, as you said, like those are all good signs because um, I think it's easy for us to get uh, complacent and jaded and cynical and everything else with everything the Hawks are doing, mostly because we have been watching this team for decades and we have just been watching sports in general for decades. Um, like, you know, Vlasic, this is his first full NHL season. Kershev is in his third or fourth, but I mean, still relatively young. And also all Kershev has done in his career is lose because he's been with the Hawks his entire career for the last uh, four seasons. So I'm sure that the, like the newness of losing for Vlasic is not pleasant. I'm sure the repeated losing for Kurashev is not fun for him. So I, like, I, I totally get their frustrations. I'm glad it's there. And you hope that it leads to, um, you hope I like the, I think the, the big concern I've always had with everything they're doing this season is that something, there will be some sort of mental switch that gets broken within some of the younger players. Like, I don't think Bedard would be affected by this because he's um, uh, a hockey specimen concocted in the lab somewhere. But like, you know, the other guys like the Vlasics and the Kershevs and like the Korchinskis and some of the other guys coming up along the way, like you're worried that the losing that either it changes something in their mental uh, mental approach or it's, um, it leads to some bad habits that they never break or something like that. But um, I guess if there's one good thing, the fact that they're pissed off about it, maybe that suggests none of those things are happening so far. And even uh, no matter, despite the fact that the Hawks are once again, the worst team in the league that it may not be breaking the young guys 
too much. Or, well, I, I, go ahead, Eric. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and I, th- I think Bedard has a lot to do with that too. You know, if, and that's not to say that they <clears throat> wouldn't be stoked if they had Fantilli or Carlson or whatever on their team, but I think they know there's, there's a different, there's a level set of expectations that this team is going to be relevant in the not too distant future. You know, those guys know who else is coming down the pipeline and they know who's at the top of the lineup. So, you know, like I was just saying, I think that they think about all this stuff even more than we do. They're aware of all of these things. Yeah. It's their job. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and they also, you know, I don't know how much they see these things, but you know, that Minnesota game was a national broadcast. So it's the, the TNT crew and Chelios was on there and all they're doing is, you know, they're bagging on him the whole time about how much the Blackhawks stink, which is hilarious yes. that it's yes. coinciding with them talking about the winter classic every other <laughs> five seconds, but you know, and they're dogging him then. And part of that is that they know that Bedard's not there. Yeah. So, but you know, I don't know how much that filters back to your Vlasics and your Kurashevs and those types of guys. And if they're aware of that stuff, but I mean, they have to be at least a little bit, I would think. Yeah, like there, I, I imagine at some point the personal pride gets uh might get offended by them by uh by all of this. So, and again, that's where you hope that in future seasons that uh that turns into them all going on quite the revenge tour whenever this starts getting pointed northward. Uh, hopefully, gets pointed northward uh in the next season or two here. But Mill, I uh I guess I'll swing it over to you and see if you had any burning thoughts from the last few weeks of Blackhawks hockey. Well, yeah, they're devoid of talent and they can't keep up in the world's best league. So they're playing like a bunch of unorganized four-year-olds. Well, but other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised that the NHL picked the Hawks for the Winter Classic next year. Um, I'm sure that TV and Wrigley and all that went into it, but money, but like <laughs> that, that game is probably going to suck. <laughs> Yeah. Even if the Hawks are healthy, yeah. the blues are shitty too. Yeah. There, there's not much hope that, um, like I, I think my, my hope had been that the Hawks would like, I think I was holding out hope that they would be a playoff team next season. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's there anymore. I mean, it's definitely not like, uh, the, the odds aren't great. No, no. The magic eight ball said, don't count on it. I mean, like, it's just hard because you you don't go into watching a Hawks game right now having much hope, which we expected, but then it's not like, oh, there's this great upside of we're going to watch Bedard. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. as much as, as we've liked Vlasic and other guys, like it's not exciting for 60 minutes when you're getting your ass kicked. Correct. Like Alex Vlasic, by, like, there was another, um, I think the uh, Elite Prospects people put together um, a big piece of like young players who are developing at the NHL level. And, and I think they talked to some, some like scouts who had watched them in their earlier days. And then is talking about them now and talking about how the, the talent is being realized right in front of our eyes. And Vlasic was one of the players uh, mentioned front and center in that article. And, um, but I, I don't know if I would use the term shutdown defenseman, cause I don't think that's quite what he's going for, but uh, defensive play is not the sexy, fun thing to watch at a hockey game. It's mostly boring because usually if a defenseman is good at their job, nothing happens. Right. I mean, it can be fun. It can be fun if it's like a two way defensive battle goalies are goalieing and it's like a, 
um, high anxiety, like playoff type of matchup. But again, we're in the farthest section of the universe from that. So we play <laughs> yeah, the waiting game. That's not next year's Blues Blackhawks. That's for sure. Mm-mm. No, and uh, like other, you know, we I think we did that a couple weeks ago. We did the whole uh, Alex Vlasic is good episode during like his one of his worst games in recent memory because we are really good at putting the kibosh on that. Um, but you know, beyond that, like you know, Korchinski had a goal against the Canucks, so that was cool. Um, he, he like he started the play by throwing the puck, uh, rimming it behind the net and then took off and finished the play at the other end with a goal. So that was fun to see. Uh, but other than that, like Lucas Reichel looks like he's headed for another scratch. Um, Kirsch has been okay, but I think without Bedard, he's not, well, no one on the team can score without Bedard and Kershev is not, uh, devoid of that symptom. So, uh, like they're just, there hasn't really been, in the last month, like since Bedard went down, there just hasn't really been anything that you can hang your hat on related to this team um, other than like Alex Vlasic. But that's not, again, the most exciting thing in the world to watch. I hope that this year for Reichel is just a wash because it's not good. And I don't want to dwell on that. Like, you know, when you continue to, it's just like whatever. It's the same shit. But uh, I really hope this is just like a bad one. He gets it out of the system because it's kind of uh, not encouraging. Yeah, like I think I uh, think I wrote this after the Wild game, and like there are obviously there are things that Lucas Reichel is not doing that offend the hockey sensibilities of his coach, and that is why he continues to get thrown into the fourth line. And it looks like based off the uh, practice on Wednesday, also known as today, but Wednesday as you're listening to this. Um, it sounds like he's headed for another healthy scratch, which kind of sucks. And, you know, Wednesday night they play him against the wild. He's on the fourth line and he got like six minutes. And so I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take to break him out of this slump that he's in, but that sure as hell doesn't seem like it's going to do it. So, and again, it's like, we're almost back to the, I'm sure this name has been invoked at some point, but it's like the Dylan Strom thing again. Like, uh, he didn't earn the time to play with the top line guys, but if he doesn't play with the top line guys, he's kind of useless. So what what do you do? But they don't even have top line guys yeah, to play him with. That's right true. Now. That's true. Like, that's the problem. Is like there there is just there are no top line guys exactly. Yeah. No, I mean I don't see how he recovers this season. But like I, it's yeah. I think it's a wash, like you said. And you gotta hope that there's a he's able to get away and clear his head and have like a really hard reset this summer and then come in next year with less expectations because there's better prospects and players around him mm-hmm. that he can just kind of hang out and find his, you know, his little niche or his thing that he can do on next year's team and then like get some confidence and go from there. Cause he has no confidence. Like there's nothing. He got an assist last night, like, but he didn't do anything. All he did was like chip it up and Donato picked it up with speed. And then it went to Korchinski for the goal. Like, you know, it's, we're not seeing him make plays. We're not, he doesn't look dangerous. Like he doesn't look like someone that should be part of whatever's going to be happening in the future right now. He got an assist that he's headed for yeah. the press box. <laughs> well, and I think the, the thing oh, that's, that's frustrating great. is even when you have a shitty team, usually there's like at least a guy or two or a player or two on any type of sports team where they're at least going to get theirs, whatever theirs is in their situation. And I think we expected him to be one of those guys where it's like, 
the team's bad, but he's going to get a few points here and there at least. And it's just not been encouraging. So I'm wishing the best. I'm not like hating on the kid. Like we want him to do well, but it's like, damn, like no Bedard. Like can we get something? Cause nope. No. Yeah. Nothing. No, we nice things here. That was him last season though. You know, he came up after they got rid of Domi and Kane and Taze was out and it was really, it was just him kind of like after to see you. And that's Floating what around. he, that's when he had his best stretch. So I think yeah. that's why we all thought, okay, like he's turned that corner. He's an NHL player now. And he's just, he hasn't shown that he's not showing that right now. Yeah. Like I, I would have to go back into the archives to see, I know we talked about him specifically in the preseason episode and we might've played like over under with a specific point total. And I don't think any of us were expecting like a 50, 60 point season out of him. I think forties would have been perfectly acceptable, but so far he's at, uh, let me see. He's, I was like, I was trying to figure out how far down I had to scroll to get to his name. He's played 50 games. He's got 10 points. Like that's just not, that's not going to do it. He all. loves Patrick Sharp. <laughs> just honoring him and Tony Amani. I, I have, I have no words for that. It's just, it's just there's bad. my guy remembering. Yeah. Ah, there we go. Episode. We got there. <laughs> Some uh, of it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's just, um, like that, that is, that is the one discourage. I, I think that's probably the most discouraging thing about this whole season has been the lack of a step forward for Lucas Reichel. And I, I don't think, um, I don't think any of us are writing him off and I don't even think the Blackhawks themselves are writing him off yet because he's only 21. He was a first round pick and it's just like, this is, uh, this is uh, obviously we've talked about this ad nauseum, I'm sure. But when you, you have guys who are, I like, I think Lucas Reichel might ultimately be more of a passenger on a top, uh, somewhere like on a second line than the guy driving the line. And so, he just needs someone that can drive that help him drive that line. And as uh, we've said many times, they, they don't, they just don't have that. So it's like, it's, it's almost like this season was the, the price of this season is the, as a, a season of development for Lucas Reichel. And we'll see if that's like uh, a, uh, something he gets over or if it's like, or this, the cost of this entire rebuild, one of the, uh, the symptoms of it is a, the loss of whatever potential you might have gotten out of Lucas Reichel. Because yeah, I, I, mean, I don't think it's that, out of the question that like this is this is trending in a way that never gets resolved. No, or where they feel like they have to try to get something for him while they he still has a little bit of value as you know a projectable player that might be able to do something in the future. But yeah, I mean, it, it seems like he's. We thought he might be a play driver, but yeah, you said it. I mean, I, I think at best. Right now, he looks like somebody that would complement stronger players on, you know, a much better offensive line. And those stronger players are not here. Um, they have one of them, and he will be back at some point in the not too distant future. But that's about it for right now. Yeah, and like if you look at next season, like you assume all signs are pointing to Frank Frank Nazer being here, so you can probably put him in the top six somewhere. Um, you get Taylor Hall back for for how many games is the question um and then like you know maybe often to see you finally return well maybe he's healthy next season which he does actually seem like he's uh he's been back on the ice for the first time since november so maybe he'll get into the lineup before this season ends um and so there, like there's there's and and maybe the hawks add something in the uh in the offseason someone that can at least resemble a, a 
second line type of player to go with Reichel, someone that he can at least develop some chemistry with. And, um, but yeah, uh, that's, that's all like maybes and it's not till the summer. Cause this season just seems like it's going to be, you know, I don't think they're going to like shut him down and be like, Hey kid, go back home. You know, it's, it's March. Just go get out of here, go take the rest of the season off and uh, come back next year. And hopefully something good will happen, but uh, conditioning assignment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A good old Dave Boland. Yeah. They'll send him on a conditioning assignment to Europe. Um, but, uh, I just, doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> that's seem, a fucking far ass conditioning assignment. Yeah. It just doesn't seem like anything's going to happen this year for him, which, uh, which is a bit of a bummer along with all the, just the general bummer of watching the, the worst team in the league once again. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's many levels of bummer and <laughs> he is one of the top or bottom levels. I guess so yeah. <laughs> you want to quantify what the worst is. I, I guess that'll be the interesting thing to see because Bedard does seem like he is on the verge of returning uh, on Monday. That was the big discussion at practice and in the post practice media sessions. I I believe the, uh, I, I believe the way it all works is he Bedard is going to go meet with doctors again on the following Monday or, or this coming Monday, I should say when I believe the Hawks are in Carolina for a game that night. And then based off what he is told from the doctors at that uh, appointment, that will determine uh, where the timeline goes from there. And it seems like all signs are pointing to him coming back either next Wednesday. I believe that's against the Flyers or Friday against uh, – I forget who they play Friday. And then Sunday's the Red Wings game and the Chris Chelios night. Wow. But we'll we'll get into we'll get into the Chelios thing next week because I, I do I we've got I know uh, we might have some thoughts related to that um, just because uh, that that'll be an interesting evening. It's also that'll also be the return of Patrick Kane for a night too. So so yeah. So we'll we'll have more stuff to talk about next week. Meanwhile, this week, oh, what what do you got? <laughs> I mean, I mean the. They play the Penguins tomorrow or Thursday night. Uh, Eric the and I will be in the are house. bad too. Yeah, and the Penguins are bad too. The yeah, at what they... point do they blow that team up? Uh, well, I don't think they do. I think that they just let them die and then they become their own statues. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think Dubis Dubis has no love for any of those dudes. Like, no. but, but it, like Pittsburgh's a weird city. Like maybe Malkin and Latang they'll get rid of. I don't think. I think Crosby will just retire there when he decides to. Yeah. See, I, mean, I I have a different theory in my head, and that's I think he's going to bork it, and I think he's going to go to Colorado and go play with his buddy Nate for a year or two. Especially if the Penguins continue to look this crap. Like I. Crosby's awesome and he has been so good for that city. And I know he loves being a penguin, but I think he loves winning more than anything else. And he, all he's done is show he is still one of probably the best five players in the entire league. Best 10. Like he is still right there. And if that team is that bad around him, I don't think he can just sit there and ride it out until he's done. I think he would have to go somewhere else. He, he would ask out or they would ask him and he'd be willing to go. But I mean, I could be mistaken, but that's just, I don't know. That's, that's the feeling that I get. And they can't, I guess, depending on what happens with Gensel, but they don't really have a ton of cap space, especially after getting Carlson. So it's not like they can try to fix that team anytime soon. Yeah. Well, when they got Carlson in the summer, it seemed like that was their uh, one final swing at this with this group. And it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out. 
I mean, they've got Crosby's uh, one more season at 8.7. Malkin's at two more seasons after this one at 6.1. Getzel's a UFA next uh, this coming summer. Uh, Carlson is the the big one that hurts them because it's 10 million for this season and three more. So uh, if they're going to blow it up, it's going to be, they're going to be maybe retaining salary for seasons into the future because of the, uh, because these, these contracts still have multiple years left on them. So it's, it's certainly not an impossible thing that they decide to just get rid of everything. But um, it also seems like it'd be, there would be some math involved for sure. Absolutely. No, and I'm looking at their cap funding too. I didn't realize they got some bad, like mid-level D contracts on there too. Oh, like, Ryan Graves for Ryan Graves for a million years. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Huh. Which I mean, he's all right, but not, I guess that's the price of doing business sometimes, but yeah, that's not that great. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like the Penguins game will be interesting. Cause like they do have, you know, you go to their hockey reference page, the top four scores, Exactly who you would expect. Or top five: Crosby, Gensel, Malkin, Carlson, Latang. And 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 then what? <laughs> like they they seem like they're a fairly uh, top heavy side. And even like Tristan Jari seems to be playing pretty well in net. Just looking at the numbers now, but um, yeah, just they they don't have. They, it doesn't seem like they have anywhere near enough enough depth to compete in the East because they are sitting in seventh out of eight in the Metro, and that's uh. It's not going to get it done. They're not good. I just, I, I don't think that they'll keep Crosby prisoner. I just, it's, it's hard for me to like, I don't disagree with you either. Eric. I mean, I know he wants to win. He's just so much a fabric of the city, like more so than like a Taves or Kane ever was. That oh it's, yeah, absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, yeah. he like moved there and lived with Lemieux and like, he he speaks the lingo and stuff. So like, even if he left, I'm sure he would still live there and move back eventually. But like, I don't know. It's hard to tell with them because, like you guys said, they're trying to take one final swing, and they definitely are not in a good position. <laughs> yeah. Well, Crosby got to Pittsburgh before Taves and Kane got to Chicago, and he's still there. Correct. So, so. and they've only missed the playoffs last year, and. His rookie year, I think, and then the yeah. maybe the lockout, like the weird COVID one. Yeah, like they've been pretty successful. Like you can't, I mean, at this mm-hmm. point, whatever. <laughs> yeah, they, no, they were in it the COVID one, so they had gone basically. Last year was the first time besides his rookie year that he missed. Yeah, yeah I just, I think they missed that, like uh, the turn, like you know how there was like that first round, like where the Hawks played the Oilers. Yeah. I think they the qual- lost in that the qualifying round, but none of that shit counts except no, for Corey no, Crawford's win against, except for Corey Crawford's win against Vegas. Yes, that that is all that matters. Jeremy Colleton's lone playoff win. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking asshole. Uh, what a yeah, yeah what a, that, that was Crawford's last game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the sec the game yeah, after it was, it was his last win. Well, yeah, yeah, his last yeah. win. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, fucking. That guy, that's a whole, that's a podcast that before you were on, Eric, we did so many times and, oh, what a motherfucker. Yeah. Well, he was just, he was just out for his little press tour last week. I don't know if you guys saw any of that. Okay. That was okay. kind of interesting. Well, yeah, because he, because uh, Crawford was getting, uh, I don't know if they were retiring his jersey or, he was getting some sort of honor from the Ice Hogs. So yeah, they was. retired his jersey. Yeah, and there was and there was which, a big long article. Go ahead, Eric. Sorry. No, I was going to say, which is it's so weird to see him in a twenty nine jersey. Like, yes, he, yes, that's that's so bizarre. 
Yeah, uh, but it, it was like there was, you know, he did the article. There was a big one at The Athletic, which was really interesting, and it talked about how uh, I think he said like he was in tears when he found out the Hawks weren't going to bring him back. And then um, like that he after his career ended with the Devils, like he needed to take time to be away from everything just because he the end of his hockey career was a tough thing for him to. Uh, it was a tough thing for him to handle. Um, and, and there was also talk in there about like he struggled with painkillers at some point in his career as well. Like it's a really interesting article. Ohio was that while he was coaching the Hawks? That's. Not no, that's co- that's why he retired. Essentially, is what he was like. Saying. That's why. I mean, between playing and coaching, or well, during we're talking playing, about Crawford. No, no. Oh, yeah. yeah sorry, um, but that was st- he was still playing when he was on those Crawford. I, I'd have to go. I have to reread the article, but yeah, it was like during his career, like because he was having. Uh, I think it was his back was the issue, and he's like. He, there were pain. He's he got well. Yeah, remember he got, got yeah yeah he got run into multiple times. No, and I'm so, sorry. I was pulling up some numbers when I was asking this, but I had a. I was just gonna mention. I was actually vibe like very pissed when I read how they fucked him over. Yeah, it was. Uh, oh yeah. It it was an it was an unpleasant read, but it also seems like Crawford is in a very good place now. Well, good for him, but like yeah, that they, they they had no love for him the way they should have. Yeah, uh, uh, I would. I I don't know if we'll ever uh, get get that interview, but uh, we would talk about Riot Fest, and I swear to God, I'd get that Rise Against story. That's that's all I want. I want Corey Crawford to talk about that night. That that's all well, I want to hear about. He said he still lives here. He lives in the suburbs somewhere. I, I, so. I told you, I saw him at Riot Fest. He had to yeah, he saw him at Riot Fest. So we got to get to Darling. We get to Darling first. Yeah, and then Darling will get us to Crawford. We'll to go, yeah, there we go. Hopefully Scott Darling's not listening to this. So is Darling is still doing stand up comedy? He was doing stand up comedy for a while and it did I, not sound like it was going very well for him. I I I don't think so, but we'll, okay. we'll, yeah. All right. Well, we're talking about Scott Darling's stand up career, so you know what that means. It's it's time for a break. <laughs> not just that, but if you're uh if you wanted to do stand up, go back to the Hawks. <laughs> okay. Now now we really need to take a break. Mm. All right, well, we're going to take a quick time out and then uh, come back on the other side of this break. Then I don't don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about, but it'll be something. So uh, come on back uh, after this break for all of that. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as promised before the break, I said we were going to talk about something. I don't know what that something is because there's, again, just not much really interesting going on with the Blackhawks at the moment. The, the schedule for the rest of the week, they play Thursday against the Penguins. They play Saturday afternoon against the Senators. I just noticed it's at 2 o'clock on a Saturday for some reason, uh, unless maybe it's another one of those kids' day things that they've been doing. Either way, they play Saturday afternoon. Then Monday they play in Carolina against the Hurricanes. Next Wednesday's against the Flyers, and then next Friday's against the Jets. Some point it seems like next Wednesday the Flyers game or the Jets game on Friday will be the return of Connor Bedard, and thank God for that because that's something for us to finally uh, a level of entertainment that we have not had for about a month now. And I'm um, I'm actually kind of pleasantly surprised with how quickly the last month has gone because. Uh, I like I've been trying to look at like anything else on this team, any other things like to to talk about or write about or just 
and, and there's just nothing like uh, Rem Pitlick was brought in about a month ago and they've already put him on waivers. So obviously they have no use for him. His brother is on the Rangers and he went on waivers as well. So it looks like they're both going to be headed back to the AHL. But um, some of these other, like some of the other like mid mid tier guys that you thought might like I, the big one is Taylor Radish, who I thought like maybe with Bedard out, you would get something out of him uh, or some sort of emergence that we had not seen out of him uh, at this point of his career. But uh, no, no bueno there. And I thought well, and he maybe, didn't, maybe he doesn't even look as good as he did last year. Yeah. And well, he, that, that wasn't that great to begin with. He had 37 points in 78 games last season. And this year he's at 11 and 48. Oof. So, um, so yeah, I don't think he is going to be, I mean, I assume he'll be around next season. His contract is he's a restricted free agent. He probably won't cost a lot. Uh, it doesn't I, sound like it though. I, I mean, reading between the lines, they still, they have to pay someone somewhere <laughs> to get to the floor. No, I mean, seriously. So yeah. for the, I think a lot of the Kachuk Radish guys that maybe they would, or even like resigning Blackwell or something like that, guys that they might consider keeping around. I don't think they can because they're going to have to add more salary somehow. So, I mean, there might be another trade like a Hall Felino type of thing where you're taking back somebody with a considerable cap hit, a $5 million cap hit or something like that, you know, to, to get closer to that floor. But really like there's not room for them to go out and sign a defenseman. Um, they already have their two goaltenders. Mm-hmm. We know who their number one center is and there's not really any other big free agents that it seems like they'd want to take a swing on. So it's going to be like, you know, Johnson and Entwistle and Katuk and Radish and like those type of guys, they're probably all going to be gone would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, there's like, you go down the list of cat friendly and like all these play, all these Fords who are unrestricted free or who are going to be free agents restricted or not. Um, the summer. And a lot of these are just bodies they had to add when everybody got hurt. And there's, and like, this doesn't even include the guys that are on IR, but like just running down the list of free agents that are on the roster right now. And these are just forwards, Tyler Johnson, Blackwell, Pitlick, Reichel and Twistle, Johnson, Anderson, and uh, Sanford, Philp, Kachuk, Radish. Philp uh, is on waivers right now. And he's probably going to get sent down to a- the AHL. And I mean, it's probably where he's going to stay. So he probably shouldn't even be on this list, but and then you go down to injured reserve. And again, just among Fords, Taylor Hall's there, Athanasiu, and Pavillier is there. Although Pavillier uh, is the only one who's a free agent after this season. Uh, Hall and Athanasiu will both be back because they're under contract. So, like, I, I think that's the one thing about this season that it is um, it has been miserable to watch this team. I think even more so than last year. And I think the circumstances of this season have been worse because of how many players have gotten hurt? So, like, yes, this team is bad. I don't think the Hawks wanted them to be this bad, but so many guys got hurt that they have ended up being this bad. I don't think that all these guys would have made that much of a difference. I mean, if you bring back Hall and Athanasiu and a few others, maybe they're like 28th in the league instead of 32nd. Um, so that I, I guess that that's the morsel of hope I can cling to, that there's no way they could have as bad of injury luck next season as they have had this season. And so, and then you combine the return of some players who are hurt with 
um, bringing up Frank Nazer and any other guys who make the leap. And maybe if they add a body or two in the off season, maybe that's how they get at least just out of the fucking league basement next season. Like I'm not telling you this team's even going to make the playoffs or even compete for one, but I, I don't think they can be the worst team in the league again, or uh, I think people's jobs are going to start disappearing. Well, I mean, think about, and you know, it's, it's always hard to gauge at the beginning of the year, what a team actually is. But I mean, they were at least, they had that brutal stretch to start and they got whooped by Vegas and Colorado, but they were pretty much, they kind of hung in most of those other games and they won a couple games that maybe they shouldn't have. Like at least it was a lot more enjoyable when they were healthy and more competitive and it wasn't just, you know, them getting their pants pulled down every single night, which is kind of what it feels like now. They were five and seven after 12 games. Well, and even think about that, the, you know, the, the mom's trip, their last road win that Tampa, Florida back to back, like those are both really good entertaining games. And that was kind of right when I think that's when Hall went out. Um, it was one of those two games, but that's when it really like, that was the last enjoyable stretch of hockey I can remember from this team this season. Like everything after then they, you know, they had that win against Colorado when we were there, like that was great, but not, they haven't done it for like three games in a row or a couple games in a row. It's been yeah. like the occasional game here or there they show up and either they play really well or maybe the other team didn't take them that seriously or, you know, Bedard kind of had a night or whatever you want to say, but we, we aren't even getting that anymore. They won five of their first 12 and they have since won nine of 41. Jesus. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think that they planned that at all. I think Kyle is loving it. Like, I don't think, you know, he cares and he can say like, look, we, we tried and I wish they would have made one more move. I wish they would have gotten a Garland or a Besser or somebody, you know, like that who's available last summer, but they didn't, you know, this was the team that they had. And I think they thought we'll do, you know, the best that we can. They got Hall for nothing, you know, and Felino mm-hmm. essentially for nothing, but yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody anticipated them being like this bad. Mill, do you have any other thoughts? I mean, I I agree. Like, it, and it sucks because I think uh, aside from Bedard, like Taylor Hall getting hurt really sucked the life out of the team. Not that he's MVP Taylor Hall, but it's just when they're this bad, this is probably one of the lowest points because it's not like they're losing games because they have talent and are playing like shit like they did before. They're just it, it is what it is. Like honestly, they're just bad. Yeah. And, and like and like uh I I can appreciate you know when like like Richardson was apparently pissed after the game on Tuesday night and had a little bit of a a rant to the media afterwards and um like uh Eric mentioned about uh Kurishev and Vlasic being pissed off and like there's definitely a difference in losing a game like you know 3 to 2 when you competed and not having a shot on goal for an entire period but uh, there's also like I like there is a <laughs> there's a ceiling to this team that is incredibly low and it feels like it's under the floors of most teams at this point. But um, dude, your their top line is Kurishev, Felino, and Tyler Johnson. Look at the power who, play they run out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's just two defenders. But all right, take the Canucks. 
Where would Felino be on the Canucks? The fourth line? The where would Kurashev be? The fourth line? <laughs> yeah. Where would Johnson be? The four, like you put them on a good team and that's maybe a third line. You yeah. know, and this is the top line that they're running out right now because they have no other choice. Like uh-huh. it's if we didn't have to pay attention to it, it would almost be funny. I, I'm curious, just uh, as a quick lesson here, or not lesson, just as a quick aside here. Uh, the three of us, like we, I, I think we, we've been consistent Blackhawks fans for a long time. Um, I think since we've, uh, at least I know for, I'll speak for myself. Like since I've started writing about this team, I feel like almost an obligation to watch as much as possible. Um, if this, and, and my, the th- question I have, uh, uh, so I assume with you two, like there was a similar thing, like you've always watched, but maybe you watched a little bit closer. I think you watched it a little bit differently and a little bit closer when you know, you might have to write about it. So mill, I, I would ask you first, if you didn't have to write or talk about this team, how many games would you have watched this season? Do you think? Well, it's weird. Like before I was writing for the site, I had the store that I ran. And I worked Hawks games and like my schedule was kind of dictated during their season because they were so good, like on what was going on there. Mm-hmm. And that goes down to even ordering inventory and how many letters and numbers do I need? What guys, jerseys and shirts are we selling, et cetera. So there, I mean, I was, you know, invested before as a fan, then working. And then after, I think the, the highest I've felt on the Hawks since probably, I guess that fake playoff was watching bedard's first like week and i'm like man maybe i'm going to be sucked into a lot of these games and i really think that if they were healthy it would have been a year where i'm like yeah i'm going to miss the ones because i have shit going on but like i would be really into it but i think that the fact that they're so depleted it took away from it more so how so how many games do you think you would watch if you if you were i mean probably like at least 60 Okay. You know, I mean, there's been years where I only missed one game or two games. Eric, what about you? How many games do you think you would have watched if, uh, if if you didn't have to talk or write about this team? Oh, maybe fifteen or twenty. Um, and that's that's a, a, a product of that is because I have kids and like their yeah. bedtimes typically coincide with one game start. I always try to watch if there's a team that I really like or a player I really like on the opposing team that they're playing, even if. I know that they're going to lose or I have a feeling they're going to lose. I'll still kind of watch the game through that. But more than anything, if, if I can't watch the game or I know, you know, it's a game that like I've watched the last three, uh, Dave and I are going to the Pittsburgh game. So I'm probably going to take the next couple off until Bedard comes back for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's for as bad as this team is like, I, I would still watch the highlights and, you know, see the clips, read our recaps, you know, read the other stuff, Lazarus and Powers and stuff at the Athletics, see what's going on. But as far as, like, actually sitting down to watch the game, and there'd even be times, you know, I'd probably watch 20 games, and I might even turn a couple of them off and walk away at some point <laughs> just to be like, that's enough. We know what how this one's going to end. There's not really much else to say, so let's move well, on. But I think that mine was more prefaced with the fact that I thought that they'd be enjoyable. Well, yeah, but yeah, like it was, uh, you know what I mean? Eric, you do have the responsibility of children that obviously changes a lot. Yeah. I, I think just the, the main thing is, is because of where they are, it's like, I don't feel the need to move things out of the way to watch a Blackhawks game. Like if I, if I have something going on, 
like it's made like it's like the weekend games. Um, if like if it's a Saturday night and like someone like you know go out for a drink or go out to have dinner or something, and there's a Hawks game on, I would like either try and push that plan to Sunday or do it Friday or do lunch instead, or we're going to go to a place that has a TV so I can watch this game. Now, if someone does that, like if, if I wasn't going to be writing or talking about it and I, if I hadn't felt no sense of obligation to watch that game. Yeah. I I'll, I'll check the score on my phone, but I don't care. Uh, and and I I miss, I miss like that is, I, I think that's when I know teams are good and fun and this isn't just the Blackhawks. This is any team that I follow. Like when they are good and fun, like I will move things around my calendar to make time for them. And uh, the only reason I do that now is because of this. Yeah. I mean, I think too, like when you've been to the mountaintop several times and you're at our rate, we're like rooting for player development and to be excited by young stars and none of that's even happening. It does. It feels irrelevant. Like, what can possibly excite you about the product you're watching mm-hmm. right now? That's yeah. the problem. No, like, you know, irrelevant's a great word for it because that—that's what. It, like, even like when Bedard gets back, it'll be cool for a few weeks. But I assume by like mid-March, even that the luster of that might even wear off. Of course, by then like, we'll be we'll be down to like 15 games. And I'll be doing cartwheels because it's almost over. You know, when I was a kid and like I wanted them to win a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. <laughs> like that train of thought. Yeah. You hang on. And when you have guys coming up, it's very exciting. And so I thought, man, if this kid's like doing the, the McDavid rookie tour, I would be really sucked into it. And obviously he's very talented. It's just not his fault that someone fucking broke his jaw. But like, yeah. um, it, it, but it's just like, I'm at the point now where it's like, it's not even with like, if you're a football fan and your team's not that good, like people will watch all 17 bears games. Because there's only 17, and you're excited even if your team wins a game, even if it's a, not a winning season in the NFL, unless you're like 0-17. But this just feels like no excitement. Like, they score, and you're like, cool, it's already 4-1. to Dude, talk about no excitement. I noticed this. I looked at the you know the recap I did yesterday. <laughs> if you look back at it, I... The picture that I picked, it's Korchinski scoring on the two-on-one with Donato. If you look at everyone's face behind the goal, they are so despondent and bored and littered with empty (laughs) seats as well. I I know. I noticed it. it. And it's just, it's like, that's the perfect, that's the season. Like, that's like the first Mighty Ducks movie. Yeah. That's what it's like to be a Blackhawks fan right now. It's all those people who are (laughs) they paid hundreds of dollars to sit there and at this point they can't even be bothered to cheer anymore they're just they don't care and like because and not another game like in those seats you see that play developing like you see donato coming up the boards with the puck and kornitsky or korchinski blazing down the middle with nobody oh yeah and you see it like and as soon as donato like starts to make that backhand pass you're probably starting to stand up out of your seat and well, then, and if you're one of us who knows how to watch that play, you know, yeah. like the people that read our stuff and are into that, and yeah. you're sitting in the like 325 on the internet. <laughs> well, no, just people who, you know, when you when you can see it before it happens. Yeah. Yeah, you watch it's enough a, hockey, you can sense it. Every hockey barn has those people where you're sitting in 325 behind the net and you see it coming at you and you're like, fuck yeah, like they're gonna score. And that's an exciting feeling when it happens, except now. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, no, that's I didn't even notice that, Eric, and that is 
<laughs> like the puck is the puck is in the net at, yeah, at the time of this photo, and there is not a single celebration. It's Although I like, will say, I will say, I only see one person on a phone in the photo, so that at least makes me happy that they're at least watching the game. Probably can't get Wi-Fi in there. Um, <laughs> the uh, they don't have the press password. Uh, the the problem too is like it's so lethargic. Like they're just going through the motions almost, which. I, that can't really be good for young players when you're like, I'm finally in the NHL and this is what we're doing. Well, I, I guess the the other side of that is they, they don't know that. Like, I, I don't like, you know, the Vlasics of the world. Like, I don't think they're, they don't have the experience to know, like, this is not what it's going to be like all the time. Hopefully like you're, you're going to win eventually. I think. Well, and that was kind of my point before that's that it was, I was glad to see him be a little bit pissed off. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. they, they had no business coming back to tie that game and setting it to overtime. Rangers still won. So, I mean, really they, they should have lost. Like they could, that's one of those games where they could just be like, we lost before they ever even step on the ice. They have every reason to, but the fact that they came back to tie it and then he was still mad that they lost like that. That's a good thing for, for him as far as I'm concerned. And for like, the future once they start to get better. So it sucks. They all have to take those lumps right now, but there's no choice. Like you have to, there's nothing else they can do. It does look like when they start games and they hit the ice, like they want to win. They try to compete. It just gets away from them because they can't compete. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I don't, you know, you're they're underwater the whole time. Like they're fighting against exactly. Exactly. You hear him say stuff, you know, and that's Vlasic was also talking about that, like what it's like to try to stop how he gets up for it, what it's like to when you try to like game plan to stop Panarin or Zabanajad or Adam Fox or like some of the best players in the world. And I think fucking whole, yeah, all those guys. Yeah, he's still young enough that this is his first time like really going through it. So, you know, and there's going to be some of that. And I think that's one of the cool things with prospects too. The next few years, like, they all know each other and they're going to be kind of coming in waves and that's going to energize, you know, the guys that are a little bit more older and a little bit more veteran. When you see Colton doc come up and play the first time or Gavin Hayes or Nazar or any of these guys. And especially like once they kind of solidify themselves at Rockford, like I think they, they're going to push each other in like a cool way. That's going to be awesome to see, but we're still just so far away from any of that stuff right now. And like, you feel it every game. It's mm. that apathy, you know, it's the people who are like, Oh, like he scored. Can I leave yet? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and the other problem too, is like the, uh, the league is not getting any slower. So like, even if you have talent, like Pitt, we were talking about Pittsburgh, like sometimes they just, they can't skate with teams. Like, Evgeny Malkin is a big fucking boat anchor. Yeah. Yeah, they're so old. Yeah, yeah, so it's like you have to have the legs and you have to have the awareness and the IQ and the I mean, you need it all this time. Like, it's not the 80s. So, no, we'll, no we'll I mean, it's it's weird. And I've, I've thought about I don't know. I don't think we talked about it on here. I know I've talked about it with one of my buddies before. You know, I think it seems kind of it was surprising in a way for them to, to move on from Canyon Taves so fast last year. But then you kind of look at Pittsburgh and you kind of look at Washington and then you look at the Blackhawks and it's already the, they've like lapped them, you know, for this next run here. Whereas if the Penguins hang on to everybody for a couple more years and they're going to hang on to Obi obviously until he breaks the record, 
like or that's, yeah. that's that's probably not the best thing for either of those teams, right? Well, right. so but well, but the, I my, I guess my counter to that is those teams were still winning in the late 2010s and early 2020s. So the argument could be that the Hawks held on to Taves and Kane for too long and should have let them go four to well, five years ago. Well, that I think was, this goes back to the contract stuff. They're they're so behind the NBA with the term length because guys are afraid they're going to get hurt. You know what I mean? Like guys stay put a long time on these teams. Yeah. Oh, hockey. Yeah. But I also think that was, I, I'm going to pin that on Bowman. Cause if you look at, look at Pittsburgh, yeah, it was no because problem. I'm happy to join you there. No, it's because they had Gensel. It's because yeah. they had these other guys. Bowman yeah. traded all those dudes away. He traded Dino. He traded Terravine and he traded that next wave. And that's why like they cratered so fast because there was nothing in between. So, oh no, I agree with you on that part. Yeah, I was kind of yeah. going in a different direction on a different topic. Oh, okay, gotcha. I just meant like some of these different guys get tied down for so long, even guys that aren't that good because they don't want to get hurt and they want to take those long contracts, take the money. And it's hard for teams to restructure on the fly or add guys on the fly when you have a kind of a short window. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, the, the long-term deals, like it's not, and that's why, you know, they always talk about how like this next, this younger generation of hockey players, how they look up to the NBA guys because of the way mm-hmm. that they kind of move teams and like build teams and have their super teams or they'll go play somewhere together for like two years. But then every time, you know, like this free agent class was supposed to be this crazy talented class. And then they just all re-upped and they all signed extensions before they had got anywhere close to the market. And now not a single one of those guys that were like the top five guys, they're all re-signed for a long time, except for Matthews. Um, yeah. You know, but even that's five years, which is a long deal by NBA standards. Like if you look at the NBA and I'm not trying to compare apples, it's not apples to apples, but I do think the NHL tries to follow them only like 20 years behind. Um, it's like Austin or not Austin Matthews, um, Connor McDavid, look at what he's accomplished and what is this his ninth season, something like that. Mm -hmm. Eighth season. Um, he would never stay put there that long in the NBA because that fucking team, what have they done? Made a, made a conference final once and then got their dicks kicked in by the Avs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then maybe went to the playoffs once or twice and lost in the first round. Like they, I mean, but he's spectacular. It's like, Somebody would would kill to have to have him on a good team. Well, hey, they're good right now, hey. but what does that mean? Free free agency coming up in a few seasons. Just just yeah. just saying, Connor come, McDavid, come on down, Connor. <laughs> Love the Connor the Connor show. Yeah, yeah. The one thing, the one thought I wanted to have during, uh, I think it was during while Eric was talking. Uh, the one thought I had, and this is uh, my my hopeful thought uh, as we wrap up this part of the discussion, is that uh, maybe this is like. This is the final low point. Like, like we in like three or four years, we'll be like, man, remember when we were in like mid February back in twenty four, and Bedard was hurt, and the, all they were doing was losing, and how much that sucked, and like, look at how much fun it is now. That's that's my hope at the moment. That that's what I got for you. That that this is this is the like the rock bottom essentially, and then it's all up from here. Well, all three of us have survived Chicago baseball, so. <laughs> No, I well, haven't survived. Not just it yet. Chicago baseball, but the Chicago Blackhawks before. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's weird though. That that felt like a 
that felt like going to a punk rock show. Like this is my hidden little thing. And I know that sounds weird, but, no. uh, but I mean, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> you know, it's a major four sports team. That's why they were the worst franchise in sports for a while. It, yeah. Was it? Oh, yeah. they got named that or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cause n- no mean, one was paying attention. Brutal. Nobody was going. Dude. I still remember you could go for free for like <laughs> six weeks by using the code Havlat at Ticketmaster. <laughs> That's so awesome. I, there was one time I went and my friends were sitting on the other side of the ice and were like yelling back and forth at each other and you could hear each other. Oh, like, it was that, so, they used to pump in oh, noise. Yeah. It was, it's hilarious to think about those things though. You know what's funny is like the UC, you know, it's so different to like the building. And it, I mean, I know that was, you know, 20 or whatever years ago, but like, it feels like a different building now. Well, it's oh, not, absolutely. It's, it's nowhere near as empty now as it used to be as it was. No, back in those no. days. And, and there's just, you know, because the, the in-stadium presentation is different now. They have like all the music and they have like the in-stadium. There's LEDs everywhere. Yeah. Like it, like there's like a, there's like a show within the show type of thing. And like none of that existed 20 years ago. I mean, you kind of have to have that nowadays to just be do a pro sports oh, team. I wish that I dude, I wish they didn't. You go. I don't, I, I don't like it either. It's the same thing. Every single stadium you go to now, it's like the same two people. They just look different, but like the same fake energy. Look, I don't just like, like but they're not trying to get us. They're trying to get people who yeah, want a night out or whatever. That's true. Kids. They're trying to get the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. they don't give a fuck about Congratu- presenting. Congratulations. We, we've reached the old men yelling at cloud part of the podcast. Yeah. I still like the job, old video everyone. of we got the, old or- the orchard video. Like, you know, like yeah. that shit. That's what I want. Yeah. And and there's still like, there, there's still like, there's still some nods to the older days in like the, the pregame hype video. They're, they're still there, I don't, but it's, it's, def, it's, it's just, uh, I think that is more a product as Eric said, it's, it's in every stadium now. They used to come out to machine head by Bush it's, and then they changed it to youth gone wild. Sorry. I'm reminiscing now. Yeah. The world, the, uh, it's a, it's a, just the sports world is different now. I think more than anything yeah. else. So, well, right. Dave, real quick, before you switch, we had that discussion about how long it took them to bring out the legends, right? Like when they first started, like bringing back old players. We have before, I know. Yeah, it's just like it was like they were so far behind compared to other teams that now it's like they overcompensate. <laughs> so yeah, well, um, I I I I have no I I have no follow up for that. It's just like yeah, that's uh, that that's that's uh, that is accurate now. Um. So uh, before we get out of here, uh, I did want to quickly throw out a – it's not really a food take. Well, it's just more, more of a quick food discussion, and, and it's mainly that I, I think we don't give enough uh, – I don't I don't know if it's like it's an underrated thing, but like I feel like the Super Bowl has become such a big food event because uh, I think no matter – whether you are a football fan or not, and this is obviously we're a hockey podcast, although we're – Again, the best food themed hockey podcast on the internet. The word football is not in there anywhere, but the Super Bowl is one of those things that it's it's less a football event and more just like a United States culture event. And the, the Swifties got involved this year, so it was even a bigger deal uh, related to that. Who? Um, 
you know, uh, Betsy's girl, Taylor Swift. Oh, oh yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I think like there's a, uh, it doesn't get enough credit for how enjoyable of a food holiday it is. Cause there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of people want, like if you go to, a, I, I assume most people's Super Bowl party gatherings are some sort of like potluck thing. Everybody brings a dish and we just fe- eat an unnecessary amount of food and feel terrible about ourselves at work on Monday. Uh, so I was going to ask either one of you two if you had any memorable uh, foods at a uh, Super Bowl party this weekend. So we just watched at our house and it's weird. Like my kids have never cared about football until this year. And then like all their friends, they're always throwing a football on the playground in school. And like, they want me to go outside and throw a football with them now. Um, and I, it's old and sore. Um, <laughs> uh, we went to this park the other day and they're, they're super into like trick shot videos now too. Oh, so they're like, Oh God. They're like, dad, will you throw, throw us the ball over this bridge? And it's the, it's Walsh park, which is at the end of the six Oh six for anyone in Chicago. Okay. So like there's this bridge as the park is like the end of the path is winding down. It's not very tall, but like, so they went back. And so the first one I was like, okay. And I tried to throw it like super high. And I was definitely feeling that. Um, but there were all the kids are like, they love Mahomes. They're super into Mahomes. So they really wanted to watch it this year. And then like halfway through <laughs> Nickelodeon was doing like a SpongeBob simulcast. And so they switched and they went down to our basement to watch the SpongeBob simulcast. Um, but so we just made our kind of big thing for any situation like that. And we usually do it on New Year's Eve. We just made a ton of Buffalo chicken dip and that was it. Just ate way too many scoops and Buffalo chicken dip. Mel, what about you? We're big on, um, weekly football meals in our house. Like every Sunday, something different. Okay. Um, and so my brother's birthday was actually Monday. So we did like his birthday for the Super Bowl. And uh, we had sliders, which was we made at home, which was really good. Um, and then there's also like all kind of chips and there's fucking pizza and desserts and stuff. But the sliders for me were the go to. Um, well, what's on the sliders? Let's get some more. They're like just beef. Um, you caramelize some onions, some different cheeses, and then you cook the beef ahead of time on the stove and you put it all together in the buns and you bake them. Kind of butter the buns on top before you put them in the oven. My mom makes this kind of so stuff all the time. I, I apologize if I missed that. What's the meat in there? Oh, it's just it's just like a ground beef um, okay. is what she did. That was okay. more like a hamburger patty. But you could do like pulled pork or whatever you want to do. That's you, the most important part to me is what's the meat on the slider. So Yeah, I think we're just feeling ground beef because it was kind of – I don't know. But like you can make a bunch of them. You can use like the Hawaiian rolls and make them small. Ooh, and they're like finger yeah. it's like a good finger yeah. food if you're oh, those a party are, yeah no those are uh i know what you're talking about and those are ideal snack uh snack foods and you can also get those in like a pretzel bun hawaiian yeah those are good so yeah Which, so, go ahead sorry no i was gonna say no here's my other old man yelling at cloud thing like a slider to me is always a burger like that's not a and I, I know it's it's changed over time, but okay. when I was a kid and like growing up, a slider was White Castle or oh, yeah. a burger. Like a that's sli- what it is. is wi- a slider's White Castle, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then 
now it's there's you go somewhere and they're like oh yeah we have sliders okay cool i'll take a slider okay well what do you want we have like ahi tuna slide and it's like that's a fucking fish sandwich dude that's not <laughs> yeah. a, get out of here with i, that I guess my, my uh, thing is like if we're having like a bigger get together and we're doing one type of thing like say tacos or you know quote unquote sliders or pizza we usually try to have different kinds just for different people's like um tastes and like diets but like normally if i'm just going slider it's it's, it's a cheeseburger I will like uh, my high school football playbook, uh, all the words, it was all like word association stuff for all our calls and keys and everything. And I will never forget. We, uh, we uh, never, there was certain plays you had to identify if there was one or two middle linebackers. And if there was two, it was a big Mac. And if it's one, it was a slider. Which isn't. <laughs> That's good so stuff. I will never not associate sliders with that, but yeah, uh, i yeah, like. Well, did I, you ever play anybody with a that's playing a, a a five? No. Like no, no. no okay. You can't have five middle linebackers, Mill. I don't think. Well, no, no, no. Three, three. You could have three and then two edge rushers. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, no, no, that didn't happen. We we ran the ball a lot. That's. I, I was just wondering. That's the Pittsburgh set. So yeah. like. Um. Oh, so I, I guess so. So we have sliders and then uh, Eric, you had Buffalo chicken dip. I had my contribution. I don't want to call this the best thing, but I have, it's uh, my mom's recipe. So we'll, we'll call it a family family recipe, but it's taco salad. And the, the trick is just you, you put like all the meat and cheese and lettuce and some sauces and mix it all together, throw it in the fridge, let it sit. And then right before you serve it, you get the taco Doritos in the old school, like 80 style Doritos bag crumble them up and right before you serve them is when you put those chips on top. So they stay crispy because I feel like some people make taco salad and they add some oh, yeah, sort of chips soggy. to them early on or they get soggy. You got to yeah. wait right until the end, put the, put the taco chips on top and that's, and that's how you get a good, a uh, good quality taco salad. Mm, so uh, that sounds delicious. You know, I'm going to say that's the best because it's my mom's recipe and I'm, I'm and I, I just follow her orders and it's, it comes out good every time. So, so yeah, that was the best food at, at the party I was at. So sounds good. Yeah, that's a good tip too. I feel like it's such a weird American cultural thing. Um what? like the Super Bowl being a food holiday. I mean it, it kind of is though. I mean but no, it, it is because how many people do you know? Like obviously I'm I'm a big football head and I'm a, I'm into betting and all that shit. But like how many people do you know that are going to to eat and watch commercials or the halftime show? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's like an actual thing. Also, halftime show is pretty entertaining. I'm not going to yeah. lie. Well, food is so connected to sports in America, too. I don't know if it's necessarily the same for, but I mean, you think about it like you go to a game, especially when I was, my brother and I, when we were little kids, and like my dad would take us to a baseball game. I could give a crap about the baseball game. I want a super rope. I want a hot dog. <laughs> a I want nachos. Yeah. And that's Hell like, yeah. Those that's my kids now. Like they don't care about the actual game. They care about all the things they're going to eat. So it's just kind of weirdly, it's always connected to sports. And even like if I'm going to make plans to watch a game, like with my buddies, we're not nine times out of 10, we're going somewhere to eat, to watch the game. And we're going to sit and eat food and probably eat too much food and watch the game. And it's not like, Oh, you want to just go politely sit at someone's house and no, you're like, you're eating stuff too. Dave, did you play at Highland? Yes. Was, well, okay, that was your high school? No, no, Griffith. Griffith, okay. But you played at Highland? Yes. And you've covered games there? Yes. 
I remember going with my dad when I was a kid, like I was not in high school yet. So well, he would cover games and they would hook you up in the press box and they would actually be grilling um, at the high school game. They would have like grilled chicken sandwiches, hamburgers, hot dogs. Well, that, that I, is I, that is the little secret of like if you're in sports media, sometimes like for high school sports, it's much less common. But if you cover anything at a college or professional level, like there's a food served for the media, which Eric and I have discovered this year. No, no, not discovered, but just well, right. But like in the high school area, nobody was grilling. Yeah. Besides them, oh, they had super ropes too. By the way, yeah. um, but I, uh, I, yeah. I, I suddenly uh, the main thing I've gotten out of this entire podcast discussion, I feel like I want a super rope all of a sudden. When was Hell the last yeah, time you saw a grown, grown ass man asking for a super rope? Hell yeah! When was the last time you saw one though? I don't. I God. feel like I haven't seen one Fucking in so long. Playing little league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's that's my new mission is uh, keep an eye out for some super ropes. I'm sure you can find them online. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I, was, I know. I, I want to find them in the wild, and the internet doesn't count. I want to see them in a store somewhere or at I a was game or something. So bummed out. We moved back to my hometown, and like we took our kids to the public pool. Like we go to the pool in the summer, right? That I grew up going to, and that like the concession stand there. Super ropes, like just your basic soft serve cones, like all that, you know, crappy nachos. But I was like so excited, like, oh my God, we're going to go. I'm taking my kids, like, I'm going to get a super rope. And they closed it during COVID and they just have never reopened it. And like every time I'm like, when's the concession going to reopen? They have to be so tired of me at the pool. And it's because I want a super rope. That's why I ask them all the time. All right. Well, if you're listening to this, send Eric a super rope. Open the concession stand and read pool. <laughs> or do that. I'll pay for my own super rope. I don't care. I just need access. I don't know where else to go to get a super rope. Oh, I hope we get sponsored by super ropes now. That's that's what we're gonna do. That's so you're gonna hear us. We're gonna be talking on the podcast while we're all chewing licorice. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. we should just start saying second city hockey. Uh, music on Madison brought to you by Super Rope and see what happens. See how long it takes for them to send us some. <laughs> yeah. I want to know who them is, by the way. All right. I'm going to look up where Super Rope, their headquarters is, if I can. Okay. Well, we'll report back. It looks like it's the American Licorice Company. No? Yeah. And they they just brought them back. So I think it's they maybe went away for a while. Okay. Okay. And now, well, you can't get them on Amazon. Well, like they say, how can you miss me if I don't go away? (laughs) Who says that? It's a it's like a wrestling term. Yeah. It's pretty good. All right, I think that's a good point. Oh, Laporte, Indiana. No shit. Where's Laporte, dude? No, that's not far from that's us. That's like an hour. It's a uh, like an hour across the state line. American Licorice Company, PO Box one one nine, Laporte, Indiana. All right, no get fucking it. shit. Get what? on it, dudes. Let's go. Maybe that's why we all grew up with them. Yeah. Holy oh, shit, it could yeah. just be like a Midwest thing. And of course, Betsy's not here. We can't even ask. So she can tell us what we can't, we, we can't ask. A convoluted. Southern... Okay. No, it's, make a note for next podcast. It's yeah. a three feet of butter rope <laughs> in the South yeah, with the grits. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, this is, this will definitely to be continued next week. Cause, uh, I, I haven't been every now and then I get sent out to the port for, uh, the newspaper writing gig and, uh, haven't had it been out there recently, but, uh, this, this will require further exploration for sure. I'm going to have to make a deposit into the second city hockey account for you to buy us some licorice. (laughs) Well, well, I'll have my people get in touch with your people. Sounds good. All right. 
that's going to do it for this episode of Musings on Madison. Uh, again, another episode where I had no idea what we were going to talk about when we got started, and we're past an hour. So uh, thanks to Mill and Eric for hanging out this evening. Thanks to you for listening. Uh, hopefully we'll get Betsy back next week. Uh, she'll be back to back to full strength, uh, currently battling an upper body injury at the moment. Um, which I, is that that's a good a cold or whatever. You're not uh, supposed to disclose what the injury oh, is. Yeah. Yeah, it could be a broken jaw. Hopefully. Yeah. 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 UBI. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Upper body injury. There we go. But uh, uh, yeah. Eating, eating too many super ropes. Yep. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, we'll be back next week and Hey, uh, maybe Connor Bernard will be back with us as well. Um, but we will, uh, we'll talk to you then. Do my graveyard Doing the monster mash with you on this beautiful Valentine's Day. Marty, why did you play that song today? There must be thousands of love songs. Well, it's, it's kind of a love song. All the monsters enjoying each other's company, you know, dancing, holding their evil in check. You played the wrong record, didn't you? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs>